Hey, well, happy Sunday. So glad that you're with us at Life Center. And can I just say, it is good to be back on the stage. Had a little bit of a preaching break in July. And I want to say thank you so much uh, to those who have been praying for my wife, Amber. Uh, Just want to give God some praise right now because just in the last couple of days, there's been some moments where her voice is beginning to break through. And so I just want to give God praise for that. So I love you, baby. Uh, So thankful for you. And Amber and I, we, we love Life Center. We are so blessed and honored uh, to be your pastors. We love this place. And uh, by the way, were you thankful for some of the voices, some of the friends we had in in July? Can we just thank them for coming and investing in us at Life Center? It was so fun for me to be able to sit on the front row and receive. I don't get to do that all that often. And so just hearing some of these friends come in with words for us as a church uh, community. And Here's what I want to let you know. There are some big things in front of us as Life Center. I believe with all of my heart, God is going to do some things over the next number of months and even on into the next number of years. And and so I just want to challenge us, encourage us to get ready, to get ready. It's going to be amazing. Today, we are going to begin a brand new series for a number of weeks on the parables of Jesus. And we've entitled this series, like Jesus. Can you say like Jesus? And here's what I want you to know as we begin. I believe with all of my heart, I'm convinced that Jesus, he wants to give you life. Do you believe that? <laughs> Listen, if, if you're a part of Life Center and you don't believe that, you need to pause and think about our name for a second. We are Life Center. We're not like Dead Center. We're not Observation Center. We're life center. We believe that Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And there's another thing, though, that I think at times we miss or we neglect to understand. Yes, Jesus wants to give you life, but he also wants to invite you into his way of life. Jesus wants to give you life, but he also invites you to embrace his life Style, his way of approaching life and doing life. And sometimes that's where the disconnect happens. Because there's times where I'm like, man, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for, oh, wait, you want me to love that person? It's, it's one thing to want the life of Jesus. It's another thing to hear his call to embrace his way of life. And that's where we're drilling down into because I believe that we are called to live like Jesus. Live like Jesus. Today, I've entitled this message, The Limit of Love. The Limit of Love. In a moment, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, grab those, get ready. Luke chapter 10. If you're taking notes this morning, write down The Limit of Love. Uh, You can take notes right there in the Life Center app if that's helpful to you. But I have a question. Have you ever hit your limit when it came to love? You ever come to that point where you hit the wall, you're like, okay, I loved you up until this place, but no more. I'm at my max. I don't know if I can keep going. And uh, today, I want to just be honest, be a little bit transparent, even be vulnerable with you. 
Uh, I have a friend in my life that is a pain. Absolute pain. Um, he, he is a pain, and most of the time, I'm annoyed by him. Some of you guys are like, Tyler, you didn't have a long enough break. No, I did. I did. Most of the time, I'm annoyed by him. Why? Because he does things. Things that make it hard for me to sometimes like him, let alone love him well. And again, some of you may be saying, Tyler, you're, you're being a little bit harsh. No, 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 let me, let me explain. Let me give you a few examples. My friend is incredibly self-centered. He is convinced that the entire world exists for him and everybody in the world exists to make him happy. He's self-centered. Not only that, he's got boundary issues. Boundary issues. He will try to get a hold of me at all hours of the night. To make matters worse, he lacks self-control. He will fly off the handle at moments, at a moment's notice, coming after people with his words who have done nothing to him. And he will just run his mouth anyways. Doesn't stop. To make matters worse, he's messy. He's messy. Now, for those of you who are concerned that I'm just having this emotional breakdown on the stage, he knows how I feel. In fact, I tell him often what I think of him. And here's the challenge. There's no change. There's no transformation. And that's why I invited him to church today. I'm praying that he gets saved. Jack, come on out here. Yeah, listen to that. Oh, you don't know the real Jack. This is Amber's dog. He lives in my house. It's Amber's dog. Now, now here's the funny thing. Hey, Jack. Oh, little, little tail wag, yeah. See, he's, he's behaving good for you guys. See, Jack thinks everything exists for him. Jack is self-centered. He's convinced we all exist to just scratch his belly and pat him on the head and feed him whenever he wants it. Jack has boundary issues. He will wake me up in the middle of the night. Jack lacks self-control. There's a car that drives through our neighborhood. It's the same car every single day at the same time. It's got one of those exhausts. It's like, anybody know what car I'm talking about? Every day, same time, Jack loses his mind like somebody's shooting a gun in our neighborhood. And I'm like, Jack, we've talked about this. It's the same car. You're okay, but he just runs his mouth anyways. Jack's messy. But, but why is it? Why is it at times that even though I'm annoyed with Jack, sometimes it's easier to love an animal that annoys you than it is a human that annoys you? Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we have more grace for a furry, four-legged animal than we do for somebody else who was created in the image of God. I'm praying Jack listens to the message today because it's for you, Jack. Come on, can we give it up for Jack and Faith? Thank you, Faithy.
Here's what I know. Inside of every human heart, there's an ache. And what's that ache? We want to know that we are authentically cared for and loved. And we know when it's the real thing. We, We know when it's not. And each and every heart has this desire, and at times, as followers of Jesus, even though we have the greatest source of love that we are tethered to in relationship, sometimes we lack the ability to show and reveal that love to those around us. Sometimes we we have a limit to our love, don't we? And this matters, why? Because Life Center, we got some work to do we got some work to do. This morning, Life Center, we will meet in three different physical locations, our North Tacoma campus, our Central campus, and our Rainier campus in South Pierce County, along with those who join with us in our online campus. And this matters because we live in Pierce County where roughly one million people live. The actual number is 892,000 people and change. Why this matters to me is because there's only 20-some percent of people of that 892,000 that are actually connected in relationship with Jesus and his church. So what this means is there's 633,000 individuals in Pierce County that unless they connect and meet Jesus, they will spend eternity apart from God. 633,000 people that you work with, you drive down the same streets with, you walk into coffee shops with, you work out with in your local gym, 633,000 individuals that God has put us on assignment with. But sometimes there's a limit to our love, isn't there? At times it's It's hard to even grasp a number that big. That's over half a million people, Tyler. What are we supposed to do? And and here's what haunts me. Even if Life Center was 20,000 people, we wouldn't even be making a dent, would we? I mean, if we we were 100,000 people, there's a lot of individuals to reach. And it's not just on Life Center. It's on the capital C Church to express the love of God that is able to transform hearts and lives. And yet today, I want us to consider this question. Where is our love being limited? Where is our love being limited? To help us, I want us to look to a parable that Jesus shares in Luke chapter 10. Now, Jesus often taught in parables, and what makes a parable different than like a fable is a parable actually has a heavenly and kingdom reality, not just a moral that you're supposed to try to get better at something. See, the parable we're about to read is Jesus ends up pointing to himself that he is the fulfiller and the source and the sustainer of what this parable is calling us to take action in. Jesus is approached by a religious leader who's trying to trap him. And he asks Jesus this question, of of all the commandments, what's the most important? And Jesus, he looks at this religious leader and he says, well, you know the scriptures, how would you answer it? Jesus answers a question with another question. 
And the man, he, he recites Deuteronomy 6, chapter 5, which is known as the Shema. That word in the Hebrew means to hear or listen. The, the scripture actually says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the man goes on to quote a section of scripture from Leviticus. And we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus says, yep, if you do that, you will live. And I love that the man in this moment, he, he wants to justify himself. Why? Because it's one thing to know the right answer. It's another thing to live the answer. Oh. Oh. Jesus says, do this and you'll live. And, and the man wants to know where he can set his limits. Where, where can I draw the boundary? Where can I limit where love actually has to be shown? He, he asks the question to Jesus this way. Well, well who's actually my neighbor? You, you're talking about neighbor. Who, who do I actually have to treat as a neighbor? Jesus is about to reveal that he's asking the wrong question. Look with me, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 30. Says this, Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was a dangerous road, downward slope from Jerusalem all the way into the city of Jericho. And he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, a a temple assistant, when he arrived at the place, saw him and passed on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. Now I have a question. How is it that all three individuals saw the same thing, but only one felt something? Is it possible to become so consumed, so distracted, so preoccupied to actually see needs but not see them? To see things and no longer feel anything? I think that's one of the dangers and the amount of media that we are able to consume in our generation is, is we grow numb quickly, don't we? We lose our feeling quickly. And the, the two men who should have been the heroes of the story, Jesus is telling this story to a group of Jewish people. And the priests, the Levite, I mean, these should be the spiritual superheroes. They see this man and he is a problem to avoid instead of somebody to love. And Jesus does something interesting in the story. He takes what would have been both a religious and a racial outcast to the Jews, a Samaritan person, and used them as the example of somebody who actually did what God's word had called them to do in the law. He continues on. The Samaritan has compassion on him. Verse 34, he went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii 
few days wages for a laborer, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Now Jesus, who was asked a question, presents another question. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, the religious leader said. Notice that he can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. The one who showed mercy to him. And then Jesus told him, go and do the same. Oh, can you say those words with me? Go and do the same. Go and do the same. See, there's, there's a part of this journey with Jesus where, yes, I need to learn, I need to grow, I need to hear, I need to understand. But there's also this, this place where we can have all of the right answers, but if it's disconnected from the right activity, something is missing. Here's what I believe we need to be reminded of today. Loving like Jesus means that I don't limit who is worthy of receiving it. Loving like Jesus means that I don't limit who's, well, Tyler, they were mean to me. Yep, they probably were. Well, they don't deserve it. And here's what, as, as faithful followers of Jesus, we have to remind ourselves, I didn't deserve or earn the love of God. It was grace unearned, undeserved mercy and favor that met me, that pulled me out of my grave and made me alive. I didn't earn or deserve it, and so why am I making others wait to become worthy? See, if I'm gonna love like Jesus, it means that I don't limit who is worthy of receiving it. But th this, is a, this is a challenge, isn't it? Because don't we sometimes look at people and go, nope, limited, Limited, limited. Oh, you're nice to me. Hey, I'm gonna give you everything that I got. Sometimes we put a limit on our love. My friend Kevin Gear was in town a couple of weeks ago. He spoke on our Sunday gatherings and kept him over and he shared a little bit with our staff. And one of the things he, he challenged our staff with was this simple idea. Imagine how different your life would be and could be if you put a 10 on everyone's head. Every person you come in contact with. And here's why we challenge ourselves with that, because guess what they are to God? They're a 10. They're a 10. But sometimes we look at people and we go, seven, three. Not even on the scale. And because of this rating system that we use, we, much like the priest, much like the Levite going, Psh, I don't got time. Or we can justify why we are doing end arounds. There's, there's some different perspectives from scholars on the priest maybe thinking, well, if I touch this man and he's dead, then I won't be able to serve at the temple. And, and me doing my religious activity is too important to get my hands dirty. But imagine what your workplace would look like if you put a 10 on everybody's head. Imagine what your family would look like if you put a 10 on everybody's head. 
Tyler, those are great examples. Well, let me, let me keep going. That person who voted different than you, guess what? To God, there are 10. Tyler, don't talk about politics at church. Why not? You talk about it on Facebook all the time. Tyler, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. I have to go there. Because we become proficient at othering people. In other words, you, you, we see them as something less than an image bearer that was created by God. Somebody to love. Well, Tyler, I don't know, I don't know if they're worthy of my love. Well, friends, we weren't worthy of God's love in the first place. So let's not limit that. The person who had that different perspective on the pandemic. Did you know that people had differing perspectives on the pandemic? Were you aware of this? Guess what? To God, there are 10. There are 10. Which means to me, they should be a 10. The person who's from that different social or economic background, guess what? There are 10. The person who hasn't yet surrendered their life to Jesus, and yes, their actions and their attitudes reflect that they are not yet surrendered to Jesus, guess what? There are 10. Even people who like country music, yes, to God, They are a 10, which means that somehow by faith and some things only through prayer and fasting to me, I will treat them as a 10. People, they're worthy not because of their activity. They're worthy because God has created them in in his image. They're image bearers who need to see and receive the love of God. It's so much easier to talk about than it is to actually live out. But, but here's the point today. Jesus invites us to go and to love like he loves. Now let me remind you, though, for a second, because I know some of our minds are, are already beginning to spin and we're coming up with all of these questions and all of these qualifiers. Tyler, really them? What about them? What about that activity? What about that thought? What about that mindset? And, and here's what I want to remind us of authentic love. See, sometimes I have to love people enough to tell them what they don't want to hear. And guess what? That's still love. Loving somebody well doesn't mean you just embrace everything. No, you can love somebody and still disagree. And that is one of the great hurdles in front of our society because we now believe in this ideal that if you disagree with me, you can't love me. False. False. I can radically disagree with you and still incredibly love you. In the church, we have to figure this out. You see, a doctor is not actually being loving if there's something that needs his work in my body. He's not being loving if he goes, you know what, Tyler, you're just doing great. Just keep going. If he doesn't actually cut out the problem, how many know he's not being loving? 
So authentic love, sometimes it, it will challenge what needs to be challenged, but also understand this, authentic love, sometimes I will need to set aside my pride and hold my tongue instead of airing all of my opinions. Because sometimes being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry is what love looks like. It's not either or. See, Jesus invites us to go and love like he loves, but let's be honest, sometimes our love has limits, doesn't it? But here's why this matters for us today as, as life center. A church that doesn't love well ceases to be the church. We can gather together and play all our favorite songs and woohoo, we're feeling all good. But if we are not loving 633 plus thousand individuals who separate from a relationship with God will spend eternity apart from him, friends, we are not being the church if we are not loving well. See, to live like Jesus, I have to love well, which means Loving well and loving others is not optional. I know some of us right now are going, well, Tyler, that's not really my spiritual gift. <laughs> that's not a spiritual gift. It's your assignment. Well, Tyler, I, I'm not outgoing. I, I'm an introvert. I, my, my Myers-Briggs starts with an I, not an E. Still your assignment. See, to be a church that will love well, hear this, requires all of us. This isn't something that we delegate to the staff here. Well, that's why we have a staff at Life Center. They need to go love the city. No, no, no. You are going to walk down streets and encounter people that the staff here will never encounter. We have to all be engaged. Why? Because there's roughly 633,000 individuals who need Jesus. And so here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask us, Life Center, let's be a church that brings people with us in the journey. Yeah, bring them to church, but also go and be the church to them. Let's remove barriers and obstacles that allows those who are far from God to come in and encounter the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And hear me, let's take a hold of this like it isn't busy work, or extra credit for the super spiritual. Because I know some of us, we hear stuff like this in a challenge, we go, well, psh, that's for those like evangelism gift people. And they're always doing everything anyways. That's just extra credit for them. I'm getting a passing grade, right? Because I showed up. Do you know the Great Commission is not come into a building and sit and hear content? The Great Commission starts with the word what? Go. Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Life Center, we have a mission that Jesus is inviting us into. But if we don't learn to love like he loves, the mission will die before it ever gets out of the gate. We're called to love. We're going to do everything we can to bring life in Jesus to every life in our communities. I'm talking about kids. I'm talking about youth. I'm talking about men. I'm talking about women. I'm talking about families. We will do everything we can to bring life in Jesus to every life in our communities. But with that said, how do we make this practical? 
Because 633,000 individuals, that's a big number. It's over half a million people. And again, if, if Life Center was 20,000 people, man, we're, we're barely making a scratch. Life, if Life Center was 100,000 people, we still got a ton of work to do. So what does this mean for us practically? Three questions for you. I'd love for you to write these down. I'd love for you to write these down. Question number one. Who are the people in my path? I'm not asking you who are the people in Tyler's path. I'm asking you to consider who are the people in your path. Who are the people in your path? You see, the Samaritan was simply walking the path from Jerusalem to Jericho. Was there a path from Jerusalem to Galilee? Yeah. Was there a need on that path? Probably But that wasn't the path he was on. He was on the path from Jerusalem to Jericho. And sometimes we get caught up in looking at the massive need around us. And we spend all of our time and energy focused on the need instead of simply being faithful with what God has in front of us. See, here's what I know. Your path is different than my path. You work for a different organization. You go to a different coffee shop. You work out at a different gym. You live in a different neighborhood. Each and every one of us, we have different paths. And there's people on those paths in the 633,000 that need Jesus. And what they need is they need to encounter a follower of Jesus who is so full of his love that his love is spilling out of them. Who's on your path? Who's on your path? See, sometimes we we get overwhelmed looking at big numbers of, man, over half a million people in our county. What are we going to do? Here's what we're going to do. It starts with one. It starts with one. Who's on your path, your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, your gym, your coffee shop? Who's on your path? Hear me clearly. You can't walk every path, but you can be faithful on yours. You can't walk every path. You can't walk every street. You can't reach every single individual, but you can be faithful on the path that God has put you on. Who's on your path? Here's the second question. Where am I tempted to limit my love? Where am I tempted to limit my love? You see, the priest and the Levite, they saw an inconvenience, and so their love was limited. They saw an inconvenience to avoid. So the opportunity to express love, guess what? It was limited. It was limited. But when did I and when did we make the decision that love should be convenient? See, I... I'm growing to understand that when love is authentic, it's not always convenient. Have you noticed this? By the way, those of you who've been married for more than three days, you know that authentic love isn't always convenient, is it? Authentic love actually is costly. Authentic love is sacrificial. Authentic love is self-giving. Authentic love is others-focused, not just me-focused. We need to understand the difference. And here's some good news for us. The source of this 
isn't what I can fabricate. It's not my opinions. It's not my emotions. The source of authentic love is from where? Jesus. And I get the tension because some of us, we, we hear a, a message like this and we go, well, Tyler, I just, I'm not in a place in life right now where I, I have the capacity to love. But I'm not asking you to, to figure out your capacity. I'm asking you to tap into the one who has no limit on his capacity and allow his love to work in and through you. That's the call. Friends, we are tethered in relationship. Jesus put his spirit in us. We have unlimited access to a God who loves without capacity. See, where my ability ends, his ability keeps going and going and going. And this matters why. Because if we are going to go and do the same like Jesus calls us to do, we need to tap into a source that's bigger than us. Where are you tempted to limit love? Never forget, Jesus washed the feet of Judas. Jesus washed the feet of Judas. Not because he was worthy, but because he loved him. The one who betrayed our Lord and Savior, the one who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Hours before that would happen, Jesus is there on his knees. The king of the universe is washing the feet of his betrayer. Was Judas worthy of that kind of love? No. Did Jesus love him? Yes. Yes. See, what would my life look like if God had the same limits for me that I placed on others? What would your life look like if God placed the same limits on his love for you that we sometimes place on others? Here's the third and final question. Number one was, who's on my path? Number two was, where am I tempted to limit my love? Question three is this, will I own the need in front of me? Will I own the need in front of me? Hear me, Life Center, there's nobody who can do everything, but everybody can do something. And so as you're walking your path of life, and you come in contact with with the need in front of you, will you own that like God's gift to you to, to lean in with his love? Will I own the need in front of me? Some of you are aware of our story. A number of years ago, Amber came to me. She had been praying, and she really felt compelled that God was asking us to begin to engage with foster care. And I remember in that moment, I was like, I said some dangerous words to her. What did I say? I'll pray about it. And I did. And I felt like this was something that the Lord was asking us to do. And over the, the years, we've had a number of incredible, precious kids in and through our home. And I remember one story in particular where we had this precious foster kid with us, and and people would ask us this question often. This was the most common question I would receive. Tyler, how are you guys guarding your hearts for when they're reunified with their families? 
Because you're bringing them in, you're loving them, but, but then you're going to experience that, that challenge and that, that change. And I, I remember answering the question this way. You don't guard your heart. Because authentic love doesn't love part way. One night after one of our foster kids, by, by God's grace, he was incredibly reunified with his birth family and just a moment of both celebration, but, but also reflection. Our family, we were sitting on a deck and it got really quiet and I looked over and one of my kids had big alligator tears just rolling down their face. I said, what's, what's wrong? What's going on? broken voice just says, I miss them. And it became this beautiful moment to teach the gospel to one of my kids. I said, you're feeling what you're feeling because you really loved. You didn't do it part way. You didn't do it with a guarded heart. You authentically Loved, and, and that's why it feels like that. And guess what? That's what Jesus invites us to do. We don't love people to get the results we want to see. We love people because it's what our king has commanded us to do. Regardless of the outcome, we love, we give, we serve. We bless, we're faithful with the path that we walk in. And I'm not responsible for the path that you're on. And you're not responsible for the path that I walk. But each of us, God has entrusted a path for us to be aware of, to have our eyes open, to not set limits, but also to see the need in front of us. Life Center, I so desperately want us to be a church that hears the words of Jesus and that we are a now go and do the same type of church. Now go and do likewise. Jesus doesn't say now go and listen likewise. He says now go and do likewise. The listening matters. Listen, I love gathering together with the church community, but understand, this is just the huddle. This is not the full game. Imagine paying tickets to go to Lumen Field and, and you show up and for a couple hours, you watch the team run out and huddle, and then they run back to the sideline. Run out, huddle, walk back to the and they never play. The end goal of the church is not just a huddle. We go to church, but we're called to be the church. I want to be a go and do the same kind of church. And so here's my prayer. Lord, don't allow Life Center to become a church who are, who's filled with people who are content with only loving part way. Don't allow us to become a church that's content with believing that, that we love, but we, we are blind to the limits that we've set. See, real love, it includes sacrifice and surrender. And if we're gonna see that, that number of 633,000 decrease, and that's my prayer. My prayer is that we will see that number decrease and God's kingdom increase. What about you? But that means all of us, all of us, all of us seeing that as our assignment to love like Jesus and to live like Jesus. See, here's the good news. Jesus is ultimately what this entire story is pointing to. 
Jesus is the one who came and saw us in our broken condition. Jesus is the one who picked us up when we couldn't walk on our own. Jesus is the one who paid the price for us to get to a place that we could not get ourselves to. Jesus is the hero of the story. And his closing words in this parable is what? Now go and do the same. It's the good news. There's some people here today. You're gonna give your life to Jesus. You're gonna surrender to Jesus. You're gonna allow him to take your debt, to to take your sin, your shame, that separation, and and he's going to deal with it through his grace. Some who are gonna make that decision today, in a moment we're gonna pray for you, but today I wanna talk about next steps. Would you grab that connect card in the chair back in front of you? It's a little card, it says connect on it. Snag that for a second or it says next steps. Actually, I think it says next steps. It says something on it, you can figure it out. And there's a little QR code on there. If you got a smartphone, you can scan that QR code or you can scan the one up on the screen. I'm gonna ask all of us to take five seconds and to take a next step today. This is important to me. Take five seconds, join me in a next step. Teams who's watching online, they just put a link up. You can click that link and join with us. Today, I wanna talk about three potential next steps and I'd love for you to, to engage in at least one of these. Next step, number one is this. Maybe today is your day to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, check that box. You realize, Tyler, I I need to surrender my life to him. I've been trying to do this in my own strength and it's not working. I, I need a fresh start with God. I want this guilt and shame to be gone. If that's you, that's your next step. Here's the second next step today. You're gonna ask the question and pray for God to to work on you this week. You're gonna ask this question, where has my love grown limited? Where's my love grown limited? If that's you, check that box. I'm I'm gonna work on listening to the spirit this week and allow those limits to be set aside so I can love more like Jesus loves. Here's the third next step. I'm gonna invite a friend next week. Life Center, I want to challenge us to get in the habit of making room for the 633,000 people that you go to work with, that you drive down streets with, that you go to coffee shops with, that apart from a life-giving relationship in Jesus, they will spend eternity apart from God. We all know people. There's people on our paths. And can I challenge you? Invite somebody next week. And maybe you're like, Tyler, I don't know anybody who would step into the door of the church with me. Well, if they won't come to church, then invite them to the backpack stuffing with you because maybe they'll serve the community and you can invite them to this community service project that just happens to be happening at Life Center. And they can love and serve the city with you. But I believe that we have an assignment, Life Center. We have an assignment to see that number shrink in God's kingdom increase. But it's gonna take all of us loving as Jesus has loved us, amen? Can I invite you to stand to your feet all across this room, those who are worshiping online, would you stand up as well? I wanna take a moment, lead us in a word of prayer. Jesus, I thank you for your incredible love for us. Thank you that scripture reminds us that while we were still sinners, you died for us. 
You didn't place a limit on, on your love until we got our act together. No, you loved us even in our most broken place. You loved us. You saw us as sons and daughters who were created in your image. And I pray that you would give us as Life Center an ability to love like you love, to live like you live. So Holy Spirit, speak to us where we've been tempted to limit. God, help us to begin to invite and bring people to experience this life. And it's not just bringing them to church. It's us going and being the church where our friends are as well. Today, maybe it's your desire. Maybe you check that first box. You said, man, today is my day to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to invite all of Life Center to pray this prayer with some who are maybe saying this for the very first time. You say these words, say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. And help me to follow you every day of my life. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those who are making that decision? Today, our pastors and prayer team will be up front. If we could pray with you about anything, we would love to do that. Life Center, listen, we are on a mission that Jesus has entrusted us to. Don't come alone next week. Bring somebody with you. Don't just go to church. Let's be the church this week, all right? God bless. We'll see you soon.